With the preseason fully in the books, it's now full steam ahead to the regular season. But before the Seahawks can battle the Rams in week one, they've got to whittle the roster down to 53 players. Who's going to make the cut? Rob Rank and I are going to be dishing our final 53-man roster projections on our Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on our Monday episode by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s, whether you're listening in Eugene, Oregon, or Champaign, Illinois. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We are less than 24 hours away from the cutdown deadline, it happens this quickly. You get done with NFL preseason, then teams have to move their rosters from 90 players to 53, whether that means cutting players, trading players, placing them on injured reserve. Moves must be made here in the next 24 hours. The Seahawks have already announced seven roster cuts, none of them being surprises at all. Bottom of the roster players, some of them just added in the last week to finish up the preseason. But Rob and I are going to be dishing out our final 53-man roster projections on offense, defense, and special teams. And we'll dive into some Monday musings, taking one last look at Saturday's loss to the Green Bay Packers and how that impacted our final 53-man roster projections that we put together for today's show. It's a jam-packed episode coming your way, courtesy of our friends at the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDINNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. We've reached the darkest hour here heading into the regular season. A lot of players are going to be given pink slips across the league as NFL teams must go from 90 players to 53. It's not an easy process, as Pete Carroll was talking about after Saturday's loss in Green Bay. They want to keep as much continuity as they can. They want to bring back as many of these players as they can on the regular roster as well as the 16-man practice squad. That has certainly helped, Rob, with the expanded practice squad. You can keep more of these younger players, and you can bring back some veterans as insurance as well. We are going to be dishing out our final 53-man roster projections, and I don't want to bore our listeners too much here, but it feels like on offense. Now, there may be a few surprises that are in the works, but it does feel like on that side of the football, it's kind of felt this way all of training camp in the preseason that they're in pretty good shape for the most part in terms of who's going to make the team. Maybe the biggest areas of concern in terms of who's going to make this team are at receiver and what they may or may not do with the fullback position that they never use. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is that I think you can make an argument that Nick Ballore, Seattle's fullback and, and special teams extraordinaire, that you can make an argument that you know, the Seahawks would be saving $1.5 million if they were to re- release him. However, I, I think you also want to keep the leadership that he provides, the, the, the roster flexibility that he provides. As, as I mentioned, the fullback position, um, special 
outside linebacker in a pinch. And so to me, that is one of the real conversations here. Uh, as you mentioned with the wide receiver position, that's one where the Seattle has a lot of bodies. Um, they have a lot of talent there. And the, the complication of, of Jackson Smith and Jigba's injury, of course, um, you know, really does kind of throw a fly in the ointment, so to speak. So that that's really where it comes down to. I think if those of you who are able to, to see the roster as I have it projected here, um, then you can just, uh, you know, then you can see it for yourself. I'll say real quickly the players that I actually have making this team. There's going to be a couple of others who are on the IR list or suspended. At quarterback, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. The four running backs, Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet, DJ Dallas, Kenny McIntosh. I do have Nick Ballore on this team. At wide receiver, of course, you have the, the, the names that you, you'd expect. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jake, but Jake Bobo, Derek Young on IR, Aesop Winston making this team in large part due to his performance against the Green Bay Packers this, uh, just on Saturday. Uh, D. Eskridge, of course, is going to be suspended for the first six games. At tight end, the, the names that you'd expect, Noah Fant, Will Disley, Kobe Parkinson, again, fullback with Nick Ballore, Charles Cross, uh, the, the starting five, Charles Cross, Damian Lewis, Evan Brown, Phil Haynes, Abraham Lucas. I think that Jake Curhan's ability to play the tackle spots as well as guard gets him on this team. Stone Forest at the left tackle um, is their primary tackle backup. Oluwatimi, of course, at the center position. And then I think that with Anthony Bradford, I mean, the, the flashes have been so bright that you have to keep them at this point. And then real quickly, Corbin, before I switch over to you, you mentioned before that the Seahawks had released seven players already. They're, they're might be some fans out there who don't know those names and again as you said this is a tough day these are real men with real families and so i, I want to just acknowledge the contributions yeah. these players have had and then hope and wish them well in the future that being tight end sal canella defensive end jordan ferguson receiver returner malik flowers cornerback benji franklin receiver justin marshall corner chris Steele, and former university of washington running back wayne talapapa yeah, no surprises there. But again, as you mentioned, these are real guys with real families. This is never easy. For, this is the toughest part of the job for head coaches and their scouting department. The last thing you want to do is send these guys that have been working so hard for you over the last month in training game of the preseason, send them packing. Some of these guys will be coming back on the practice squad. I don't know that any of the players we just mentioned are going to be on that list. If you're the first wave of cuts, that's usually not a good sign, although there have been some exceptions to that rule. But Nonetheless, no real surprise there. A lot of those guys have been bouncing on and off the roster during training camp anyway, like Telepapa. So not a surprise. Those are the first guys that are going to be given their pink slips here. But as far as my 53 on offense, it looks exactly the same as yours, Rob. And, and I don't want to bore our listeners, but I'll explain the rationale here at a couple positions because some of our listeners might be saying, why are we only keeping five receivers? Because Dariq Young is going to start on IR. D. Eskridge is suspended. But here is my rationale. There is such a saturation of receiver talent in the NFL right now in terms of NFL caliber receivers that I think it's going to be easier to sneak receivers to the practice squad off waivers because other teams already have the receivers they need. Now, I don't think you'd be able to do that with Jake Bobo with what he did this preseason. I think he would get claimed by somebody. But I think a player like a Kate Johnson – somebody like a Cody Thompson who hasn't played in any regular season games, but he knows your system. Those are players that you can get on the practice squad that have been on your practice squad in the past. And with the way the NFL now does things, Rob, you can elevate those players up to three times in the regular season. So Seattle needs an extra receiver or two in those first couple of games with Jackson Smith and Jigba still working back. 
then they can do it. They can call those guys up and they don't have to be on the roster. So I have Aesop Winston, as do you. I saw enough in that preseason game against the Packers. He scored a touchdown against the Vikings earlier. And really the reason I picked him is because I think he's got a good chance to maybe be their kick and punt returner potentially this season. And he's done it in the NFL. He did it with the Saints earlier in his career. So he has legitimate NFL experience. He had a nice punt return in that game against Green Bay. So Winston is the last one that makes the team for me. And then on the offensive line, I think that you've seen enough from Stone Forsythe. I thought he struggled early in the game on Saturday, but I thought he played better the rewatch that I did. And so they're not going to let him go. There's nobody else that's pushing him. Jalen McKenzie didn't build off that first preseason game. It was not great the last two games. So he's going to be on the roster. Kerhan's ability to play guard and tackle both the guard spots now. That makes him invaluable as a swing guy. And then Oluwatimi and Bradford. Bradford had a couple monster run blocks in that game on Saturday. Now, there were some bad plays. He's been very up and down. But the flashes have really been bright. And so you got to have this kid on your roster. You're still hoping you can get more consistency as he grows and develops in your system. And he could still be a starter down the line. But those nine, it seems pretty cut and dry for me. As for Belor, you mentioned the leadership aspect and just the fact there's so much youth on special teams. I still think you've got to have that veteran linchpin. And to me, Nick Belor is still that guy. So while there may be some temptation for some fans to move on, I find it hard to believe that the locker room would be okay with that. I think that they'd be upset if Nick Belor got released, and he's still a very good special teams player. And as we'll talk about in the next segment, there might be another reason to keep him around as well from an insurance policy standpoint. With that said, coming up next, we're going to shift to the defensive side of the football where I think there might be a little bit more controversy, or maybe that's not the right word, but there's going to be a little more variance in terms of which guys make this football team. We're going to dish out our final projections on defense coming up next here on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks which is brought your way by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. August is here, and you know what that means. The official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month, Underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football and the best place for best ball. Best Ball Mania 4 is the largest fantasy football tournament ever, and you can also invite your fans to a private draft in order to bring in new users. Get championship ready for your home league by trying out Best Ball and Underdog Fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades, Underdog sets your best lineup every week. You don't have to worry about forgetting it. That's a big deal for me. Try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back at even bigger. $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including $3 million going to the winner. That's a lot of cash. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with the promo code Locked On. To get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my coast in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first lesson five days a week. For our everydayers, we're going to be diving into who actually made the initial 53-man roster and some potential players Seattle might look at to claim off of waivers on our Tuesday episode as we gear up for the regular season. You won't want to miss it. Let's continue those 53-man roster projections. We just looked at offense, and Rob, you and I had the exact same depth chart at every position on offense. That is not going to be quite the case on defense, though, and I think there are some really compelling arguments 
that can be made at a number of positions. And just like at the receiver spot, it's more so on defense. There are injuries that may open the door for some guys to make this team initially that wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, that's where I always kind of start off is right there on the defensive line where the injuries, especially to Seattle's rookies, Mike Morris and Cameron Young, um, of course, uh, you know, uh, Brian Monet starting off, uh, you know, on the IR after the, the ACL injury a year ago, Austin Fayulu. Um, we saw flashes of him that that was in the XFL, not in the NFL. But still, that to me is the positional group here that just is a little bit of of, you know, it's problematic and is therefore going to force the Seahawks to be pretty creative there. And, and so this is the projection as, as I have it. Uh, again, those of you who can see it, uh, can see it, but I'll, I'll say it out loud for those of you who cannot. Um, again, starting in the, the defensive line um, with Jaron Reed as your starter, Cameron Young, I think, makes this team just calf strain. I do have to believe that he's going to be able to contribute as a rookie. To the outside on that defensive line, you got Draymond Jones and Mario Edwards. Behind them is Miles Adams, and I have undrafted free agent Jacob Sykes making this club, in large part because of he's shown flashes himself. We've talked about him a lot, but again, the injury problems that Seattle has right now, to me, allows the undrafted free agent to make this club. But the outside linebacker spots, of course, you got Chan Nuosu as a starter. I think the Boye Mafe has emerged this preseason to be the, a quality starter candidate on the outside. I really believe that Gerald Taylor can play that spot as well. Derek Hall also makes this club, of course, as a Seattle second round pick, but another undrafted free agent, Levi Bell, who is not your traditional outside linebacker, doesn't drop into space very often, but his ability to rush up field, his ability to slide inside a defensive tackle at times, even play fullback and certainly on special teams, to me, makes that undrafted free agent another one that, that makes Seattle's roster. Um, if you go back to the secondary, this is where I feel that Seattle has incredible depth and is a possibility, uh, you know, as far as, far as trade scenarios, um, possibly trading a corner, trading a safety, some other teams out there. Um, the linebacker spots, I've got the big three that you would expect. Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Devin Bush with Vi Jones, likely to start the season on IR, unfortunately. Um, at, at the cornerback spots, you got Reek Woolen, um, Trey Brown, Artie Burns making this team, in my opinion, on the flip side, of course, you got Devin Witherspoon, Mike Jackson, and Kobe Bryant. As we talked about a moment ago, Corbin, it, it was the play of Aesop Winston against the Green Bay Packers that solidified his spot. For me, it was the exact same thing with Artie Burns. I, I just thought that he was arguably the best player on the field for the Seahawks in that game from start to finish. So, Again, that, that's what I have there. And at the safety positions, again, I have six safeties on this team. That, that seems crazy to me until you acknowledge the fact that Seattle is expecting to be running three safeties a lot of the time. And, and, and consider, of course, Jamal Adams and his uh, you know, injury-filled past here. The fact that uh, you know, with, with um, uh, the, the kid from New York, um, is uh, the New York Giants, is a, a player that is new to your system. And then the cameras caught Pete Carroll uh, and Julian Love. That was the player I was trying to think of. Uh, and caught Julian Love kind of conversing during the preseason game. I think that that's telling. Um, you know, so again, I have four safeties making this team. Of course, Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, uh, Julian Love, and then the three backups at that spot um, being Joey Blunt, the free safety, as well as uh, Jerick Reed, the second, Seattle's draft pick, and then Jonathan Sutherland, yet another undrafted rookie making Seattle's team, giving it five for me total. 
Yeah, I had a little different looking secondary, a little bit different looking front seven. You and I agree on the linebackers. And I kind of described this late last week that if you've got Devin Bush healthy, now he he does have a concussion coming out of this game, but we've got two weeks. He's going to be fine. Pete Carroll's made it clear. We expect he's going to be ready for the opener. Jordan Brooks is practicing in full. I would be stunned, and Pete Carroll said this. He would be really surprised that he's not ready to go. And, of course, you got Bobby Wagner. With those three and the other players we mentioned at the safety position that can play special teams, Nick Bloor being on this roster, he's got linebacker experience. I mean, that's not what you want to have happen, but if you have to throw him in the lineup, he has started games in the NFL at linebacker. So I just think that that is a position, a player like John Radigan, even Patrick O'Connell, I think you can sneak those guys to your practice squad. And I think you can call them up if you feel like you need an extra linebacker for week one or week two. You can promote those players from the practice squad and upgrade your depth without eating up one of your invaluable roster spots. And so for me, on the defensive side of the football, I have mostly the same as you, but I think Tyreek Smith is still making this roster. I thought he showed enough the last two games. I have Levi Levi Bell making the team. And really the big thing, you mentioned it, the versatility aspect. He had some really nice run stops in Saturday's game against Green Bay, playing reduced inside at the three-tech position, which he played last year at Texas State. So he has prior experience playing there. I think that in the special teams, the fullback intrigue, there's a lot of reasons to keep him around, especially with the lack of depth that they have on the defensive line. I've got Jacob Sykes making it two over Roderick Perry. I just feel like his athleticism warrants making this roster, especially with Mike Morris likely to miss time with that shoulder issue that he just had repaired. Don't know the procedure, don't know the severity of it, but I expect he's going to be out for a while. One difference that we have is the Tyreek Smith and Artie Burns thing. I have Artie Burns on the practice squad, even though I thought he played really well this preseason. I think he's a veteran that you signed in May. I think you could slip him to the practice squad as one of your veteran insurance options. And I've got six safeties because I think Jared Reed II's athletic upside. I think he's a player that would get claimed off waivers. I think Jonathan Sutherland has earned this roster spot as well. And oh, by the way, I don't anticipate that Jamal Adams is going to be able to play in week one. It's a different situation than Jordan Brooks. He has not even done a walkthrough practice yet because they did not have that the day he was activated from the pup list. So he's just going to be starting that process this week. I think it's asking a lot of Jamal Adams in a two-week span to get ready for week one and be able to contribute to that game. So I expect that he's going to be inactive. Maybe he's ready for week two, but – you need to have extra depth because Julian Love is going to be starting next to Quandre Diggs. So I think Jared Reed II and Jonathan Southern both make this team. They're both very good special teams players too. So that is the key here. I just think it's going to be more difficult to sneak those guys to the practice squad than the plethora of receivers that they have on offense. And you have more flexibility there to be able to promote guys off the practice squad as needed. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, you know, and I, I love that you you know kind of broke down the safety uh, you know conversation here, just because I do think again with Jamal Adams very unlikely to be available, perhaps into the regular season, not just week one, but week two, week three. Then I do think that Seattle again has to uh, 
have some insurance at that position. And I want to kind of talk about Tyreek Smith here for a moment. I mean, it's difficult uh, to to justify cutting a, a draft pick that you've only seen, you know, limited opportunities from him. To me, this really came down to Levi Bell or Tyreek Smith. And I just couldn't go with the player that was drafted just because he was drafted. If you were just to, to rank these two players in terms of who was made bigger, more impactful plays, you're sure Tyreek Smith got the big sack and tackle for loss. There's been flashes, but Levi Bell, in my opinion, has been the better player over the course of three preseason games, as well as every day that I've been at training camp. And so that's really what it came down to for me. I think that Jarek Reed, the same thing at the safety, he struggled a little bit throughout this process, but the fact that he continued to get better to me is one of the reasons why you have to keep the draft pick in that situation. Really, this come, when it kind of came down to it, for me, this was a conversation, again, about Levi Bell versus Tyreek Smith and about Jarek Reed and Jonathan Sutherland. I think if the CIA, as well as Artie Burns, to me, those are the five players that I think that you know, it, it remains to be seen if they wind up making this roster or if they wind up being practice squad candidates for this club. I do believe all of them have earned, uh, you know, an opportunity here with the Seahawks in 2023. And I think that really the big thing that we should be hammering home if our listeners aren't already figuring this out, like this process has changed quite a bit yeah. the last couple of years. When the practice squads were only 10 players and you were limited in terms of accrued seasons for players that you could put on that change the game when the NFL said we're, we're going to let you have veterans that have any number of years on experience and upgrading it to 16 players during the COVID season. That has been a game changer and has really changed how you look at building your roster. It isn't necessarily getting the best 53 players on your roster on day one. It's trying to figure out who are the players that we really like that we think we can sneak to the practice squad and who are the ones that we're worried could get claimed by somebody else. Jarek Reed II is a player that didn't get a ton of pre-draft buzz, but he's a fantastic athlete that can play multiple positions. He was a sixth-round pick, and there are a lot of teams in the league that have had injuries at safety. I just think Jarek Reed is a player, if you cut him, you are really playing with fire in terms of trying to get him back on the practice squad. I could very easily see him claimed by somebody else and end up on their active roster. At the receiver position, I just feel like a number of those guys, yeah, you're good enough to play in an NFL roster, but there's su such a saturation of receivers around the league. I just think it's going to be easier to be able to get guys like that to your practice squad than at the safety position. And so those are things that maybe weren't discussed as much a few years ago. And now with the changes of the practice squad and just the way that rosters are assembled, it really has changed and it's altered that process. And remember, teams can claim players off other waivers. We don't know who the Seahawks are going to be going after. I would think that interior defensive line is going to be a position that they are very eager to try to see who's available out there to add to that group. Uh, maybe there could be a receiver they're interested in in that regard. But again, there's such an influx of receiving talent in the NFL today, such a saturation that I think they're going to be happy with the guys they have and try to see who can we put in the practice squad that we can elevate the first few weeks if we need a replacement for Jackson Smith in Jigba. Coming up next, we are going to dish out our Monday musings, taking a final look at what went down in Green Bay, a 1915 loss to the Packers. We'll be talking offense, defense, maybe a little bit of special teams as well. We'll get to those Monday takeaways coming up next year on Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by our friends at the Game Time, Game Time app. If you've ever been on the hunt for sports and concert tickets the last minute, 
such as when I was looking for Seattle Kraken playoff tickets. The process can be anxiety-provoking. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're wanting to see the Seahawks in their season opener against the Rams at Lumen Field and have an itch for putting together a last-minute road trip, it's not difficult. Use the Game Time app with their flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, and you can find awesome prices for even seats down in the lower bowl. And it's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you. 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Everydayers, we are going to be looking at what went down with the real roster for the Seahawks, who made the initial 53, and some players cut by other teams that might pique the Seahawks' interest on the waiver wire going to be a jam-packed episode as we draw closer to the season opener against the Rams. You won't want to miss it. Let's talk about that preseason finale. One last look at Saturday morning's 19-15 loss to the Green Bay Packers. And I know it was in the afternoon, but where I'm at, it was a morning game. But anyway, the Seahawks falling in their preseason finale and nearly pulled off the comeback. Holt Naylor's wasn't quite able to get the job done. Nobody should be mad about the interception. He was just trying to make something happen there. And nobody was open on that particular play. The fact that he led them down into the red zone, I thought was pretty impressive. It was a, it was a fun drive for Holt Naylor's. He used his legs. He used his ability to get outside the pocket. Unfortunately, just couldn't cap that drive off. But Overall, it was a positive preseason, and I thought overall in this game, with the Packers playing a lot of starters, the Seahawks weren't. There were some big plays allowed early, but I think there were some positives from that perspective that the reserves were able to at least stand up somewhat against the starters for the Packers in this game. Yeah, I think that's very well said. I was very encouraged by how well that Seattle's reserves performed against the Packers' reserves. Look, we all know that there's no longer Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, but otherwise, this remains one of the better teams in the NFL, at least on paper. Um, and I thought that at first, um, you know, when, when Green Bay had their starters on both the offense and defensive sides of the ball, frankly, I thought that they pushed Seattle around a little bit. But you might, those of you who watched the game, might remember that suddenly Seattle was able to run the ball i mean dj dallas had a couple of runs just boom 20 yards boom 20 yards well that was when green bay switched from their starters on the defensive line to their reserves in the defensive line and suddenly seattle was able to create a little bit more space i thought that drew lock played fantastic i, I thought that again i was very concerned for his own welfare uh about how well that seattle would be able to hold up against that green bay front and in the you know the, the challenges that lambeau field and its boisterous crowd can provide all those kinds of things I thought I basically was ready-made to kind of give Drew 
Gulak a little bit of a mulligan and just say, hey, if if, if you aren't able to, to throw some accurate passes here because you get happy feet, I get it. And instead, I thought that he delivered some of the most beautiful passes that I've seen from him throughout his entire NFL and college career. And so to me, the resiliency that, that he showed specifically that the Seahawks offensive and defensive line showed. There's a couple other players here I want to mention that I really thought helped themselves. We talked about Aesop Winston, talked about Artie Burns. Uh, and I think that you made an excellent point about the practice squad. And, and, you know, and I think that that could impact Artie Burns uh, as a veteran um, in, in the flexibility that the Seahawks have at that spot. But still, I thought that he played very, very well in that preseason game. And, and that's one of the reasons why he wound up making my roster. Jerick Reed, as you mentioned, I, I thought had a, a very nice performance in, in this game. Matt Gotell, the, the local kid, a big run plugger, made some splashy plays um, that I think were impressive. So to me, those were some of the guys that, that jumped out. And then finally, my last thoughts on this is, is that you mentioned the, the interception. Whether that was on Holton Ehlers, a four-year starter at East Carolina, or on Matt Landers, a wide receiver who was bouncing in and out of the starting lineup throughout his college career, to me, I, I'm not an X's and O's specialist, uh, but I would think that a big receiver, six four, you wouldn't. I wouldn't think that you'd want to have an outbreaking route at the goal line. To me, it makes the throw more complicated on the wide receiver. Uh, and then just watching on on tape after the play, um, they have the cameras happen to catch Shane Waldron, Seattle's offensive coordinator, of course, talking to Holton Aylers. And again, I can't read lips, but what I thought I was reading was that uh, you know basically Shane Waldron saying, "Don't worry, young man, this one's not on you," kind of thing. And so I personally was really encouraged by the play of Holton Aylers. The, the ability to run, the poise that he showed as a passer. He did not make either of, of our 53-man rosters, but I think that he made a strong push for himself to at least be a member of Seattle's practice squad and perhaps get a lot of attention from other clubs and the NFL as well. Yeah, I think we got to give a little bit of attention to Ehlers again, just because I know he threw the pick there at the end. But based on what I've seen, I don't have all 22 just yet. I'm supposed to be getting it later today, but – it looked to me like you had a couple of receivers ended up in the same spot. And when that happens, you tend to attract a lot of defense. And that's what happened there. Ended up throwing into traffic. And he was just trying to make a play at the end of the game. And unfortunately, Green Bay made the play there with the defense, got the pick. But I thought he did a great job willing the Seahawks down the field. There were a few plays that he made where it looked like they were broken and he found ways to extend it and then use his arm or use his legs to be able to create first downs. And so he willed them down to the 20-yard line, inside the 20-yard line. It looked like the Seahawks had a chance to steal a win in a game that early could have gotten away from them because Jordan Love had a, a surefire touchdown to Christian Watson on a deep ball, and he underthrew it. That allowed Mike Jackson and Joey Blunt to be able to make up ground and get hands on the football, knock it loose. And also, Drew Locke had a clear pick six. That was the one bad throw he made in this game trying to hit the ball to Jake Bobo. And fortunately, Green Bay's corner showed why he plays defense and not offense, and the ball bounced off of his hands. But those two plays could have made this really ugly early. And thankfully for the Seahawks, the Packers weren't able to capitalize on those plays. But I think you take those things out. You consider the fact Green Bay was playing starters. What I was most encouraged by, Rob, was the run defense. A.J. Dillon had one big run on the opening drive. But other than that, 
I thought the Seahawks run defense held up pretty well against Green Bay's starters. And I thought or as the game progressed, they continued to play well against Green Bay's reserves. And that was maybe my biggest concern going into this game. I thought this might be the preseason game where Seattle's run defense gets exposed a bit, but it didn't happen. We saw Jacob Sykes make a couple plays at the line of scrimmage against the run. Matt Gotell, as you mentioned, he had a tackle for loss. Levi Bell playing inside had a couple nice plays defending the run. Roderick Perry had a pass breakup, getting his big paw up there. I just thought that this defensive line held up pretty darn well in this game, and I believe the Packers only rushed for 3.6 yards per carry. And seeing the secondary players come up and make plays, you mentioned Artie Burns. One of the four downstops they had, Artie Burns was playing some of the slot in this game. And I'm not sure that's something he's done a lot of, but he came up and blasted the ball carrier at the line of scrimmage on fourth and one for a turnover on downs. And Jarek Reed, maybe my favorite play in the entire game. Uh, well, Jake Bobo's touchdown was pretty awesome too, but the tackle for a loss when Green Bay ran a quarterback read option, I believe it was third and three, and their backup quarterback, a pretty athletic quarterback, Sean Clifford, ran the ball a fair amount at Penn State. He's taken off with a football. Levi Bell had the running back on lockdown, so he pulled the handoff and took off to the outside, and Jarek Reed was having none of it, got downhill like his pants were on fire, and hits Clifford multiple yards in the backfield. Those are the kind of plays we expected to see from Jarek Reed the second, but he hasn't played with that missile speed the first couple preseason games. He played at that speed throughout this game. He had a pass breakup. He had another tackle for loss. And, oh, by the way, the best thing, no missed tackles. And as I mentioned in the second segment, we were looking at 53. That is why he is on the right side of the bubble to me because we finally got to see what he's capable of. He's been solid in coverage throughout the preseason, but the tackling was atrocious the first two weeks. It was not the case in this game. He was coming up and he was rapping. He was smacking people. He was flying to the football. That's the player that the Seahawks were so excited about bringing in as a sixth-round pick out of New Mexico. So really the tackling from the guys at the back end, early on there were some missed tackles, but I liked the aggressiveness that they had from their corners and safeties coming up and making plays. And that was part of the reasons that Green Bay couldn't get their run game going for most of the afternoon. It really was, uh, you know, and again, it's a testament to, to the, just the hunger and the passion with which Seattle's uh, the players all over on, on defense played. Uh, it really was a, an impressive performance, as we talked about. I mean, Seattle ultimately wound up losing this game, but I thought that they outplayed Green Bay in Green Bay, and that definitely was a surprise to me. I love that you mentioned that, you know, the, the play from Jarek Reed, um, the, the the positional switch that already burns, the, the positional flexibility, I guess I should say that already burns demonstrated to me those are two players that i had on the outside looking in in this game um and, and i really thought that they legitimized their their spots uh, in the top 53 with how they performed against the packers i want to talk real quick about the offensive line and i mentioned anthony bradford earlier in the show he's going to be on this football team there have been enough flashes but there was a sequence i believe it was early in the second quarter and those big runs that dj dallas had I couldn't stop watching number 70. The biggest run that Dallas had, I had to go back and replay it about 16 times because he just turned his body, set an anchor, and drove the lineman. It wasn't into the, you know, back into the linebackers. He drove him down the line of scrimmage. 
about four and a half yards off the snap. You could see the pure power, the nastiness, and you could have driven a semi through the hole that was created by that. And so, you know, no offense to DJ Dallas. I thought he had a good game, but like, I hope you can get a 20-yard run on that because, good Lord, half the field was opened up by Anthony Bradford there. So I'm really excited about the great plays we're seeing from him. There have been a lot of plays the other end of the spectrum where you can see the footwork and stuff is still a work in progress. But those kind of plays should get the Seahawks excited about his potential as a starter down the line if you can get more consistency and better technique from him because when he puts everything together, he is a monster in the run game. And there's been some solid pass pro plays as well. I thought Oluwatimi had some really nice plays in the run game and pass protection as well. So I think the interior offensive line as a whole, I thought looked pretty good in this game. The tackles, it was it was pretty up and down with Stone Forsyth and Jake Curhan, particularly in pass protection. But I thought the interior offensive line showed that this team has way better depth maybe than we anticipated at that position. And there's some real upside with those two rookies in Oluwatimi as well as Anthony Bradford. Yeah, and and finally we you know talked about offense and defense in the in the first two uh, segments there. So just really quickly on our top fifty three conversation, of course you're going to have uh, you know the kicker and punter are going to be the same, and then finally with um, with Stoles, uh, Chris Stoll, the undrafted free agent, that was the fifth undrafted free agent that both of us wound up having make this roster. So Michael Dixon, of course, a Pro Bowl punter, Jason Myers, Pro Bowl, perhaps All Pro for both these players, kind of Cal players uh, at the kicker and punter positions respectively and then of course the long snapper Chris Stoll so that's our top 53 and and again I thought that all three of them uh you know played well throughout the preseason justifying their spots as basically being unchallenged on this roster throughout the entire preseason and I don't think we've talked enough about Chris Stoll because that was that was a significant issue for a lot of fans and I think we had some question marks about it Tyler Ott and Winker uh, Carson Tinker not coming back as free agents you don't have a veteran on the roster you're just going to give this job to an undrafted rookie and early on you could see some issues in OTAs where the timing wasn't there but I will say this throughout the preseason and training camp it hasn't looked any different like that looks like a well-oiled machine and this kid was a uh, was the long snapper, best long snapper in college football. I don't know necessarily how you make that judgment, but he was named that last year at Penn State, and he has taken off, uh, picked up where he left off there, has had a really good start to his time in Seattle. And as long as he's making the snaps, nobody's going to be talking about him, and that's a good thing at the long snapper position. So fifth undrafted rookie, I think it's crazy that we're discussing that many making the team, and yet if you've paid any attention, this is a special undrafted rookie crop for the Seahawks. There are a couple other guys like Matt Landers that I think could be really good NFL players in time that aren't on either one of our rosters. It's just that good of an undrafted crop that they brought in, and and a guy late to the fold like a Levi Bell, heck, maybe a player like Sir Roderick Thompson who continued to impress on Saturday as well. They have a lot of talent in this undrafted group. And, of course, that is a big deal on the positive side for the Seahawks heading towards the regular season. We'll see how many of those players actually make the roster once cutdown deadline comes up tomorrow afternoon. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube. 
and wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, we'll dish out our thoughts on the real 53-man roster, at least the initial one, before the inevitable changes happen over the next few days. Plenty of musical chairs to happen, but we'll dive into that initial 53, who's in, who's out, and look at some players across the league that got weighed by other teams that could be of interest for the Seahawks on the waiver wire. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.